Well, I'm uh, glad to be back among all of you. I've missed being with you and uh, would rather have been here than where I was. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to be here now. I listened to uh, Jay's uh, wonderful sermon from last week to make sure that, you know, I wasn't preaching the same thing. Although, uh, as I said, um, you know, I've been to, I don't think I've been to We Woke ever, so it would be hard for me to have any illustration about his hometown, but maybe someday. Uh, and so we uh, continue our uh, sermon series on the spiritual life, the spiritual journey, uh, with a word today about Elijah. And so I'm reading from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. We'll deal with really verses, or chapter 17 to 19. Didn't want to read it all for you, but I encourage you uh, to go home during this week and ponder uh, this message of the prophet Elijah. So chapter 19, verses 11 to 13. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of God for the people of God. So uh, once a year, for about the past 22 years, in the summer, I go out to a retreat center in Colorado, and I spend uh, at least a week uh, in the mountains, uh, in a hermitage, uh, where there's no TV, there's no internet, I know, how do I do it? Uh, I read, I rest, I hike, I reconnect with God. And I've been doing this for 22 years, and over that time, I've come to realize that it isn't that God isn't with me in every part of my life and in every part of my journey, but sometimes it's up to me to put myself in a place where I can really slow down, be quiet, and listen to God. Uh, sometimes we have to reconnect with God but God is really present in the whole of our journey. And when we look at this story of the prophet Elijah, we find that his journey tells us exactly this. Now, Elijah is one of the first prophets that we find in the Bible. And a prophet, sometimes people think, is a, somehow a predictor of the future. But really, a prophet simply speaks a word into the present situation. It's kind of a warning from God. Listen, if you, stop, if you don't stop doing this thing, people, uh, God's punishment will come or something bad will come to you. But it's a, a call to turn back to the ways of God, and it's a call into the present situation. 
And so the prophet Elijah is called by God to go and speak a word to King Ahab, who was one of the most powerful kings of, of all of Israel. But he was one who exploited the poor people. He was one who had married a woman, who uh, Jezebel, who followed other gods. And worst of all, as this king of Israel, Ahab, had begun to worship those other gods, the, the god of Baal and the god of Asherah. And so, when we find this part of Elijah's story, he has this episode at Mount Carmel, uh, a very uh, high mountain experience, and then he's going to travel down through the wilderness, past Beersheba into the wilderness, where there's a second part of his spiritual journey, and then ultimately he arrives at Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, where you know that Moses received the Ten Commandments. It is the mountain of God, and that last scene that we just read takes place on the mountain of God. So we want to follow Elijah on this journey. And the first scene we find him at Mount Carmel. And now I like to think of this scene as kind of a uh, contest or a competition among the prophets because here you get Elijah facing off against the 450 priests and prophets of Baal. And they're going to have this contest to see whose God is going to show up. So they decide what they'll do is they'll take the altar, they'll put uh, like um, a steer or a calf on the altar and then uh, for a burnt offering and then they'll invoke the name of their God and see whose God shows up. So the 450 priests and prophets of Baal are, you know, doing their dances and they're calling on Baal and they're, you know, trying everything one after the other after the other and nothing. Not a thing happens. And then it's like Elijah says, okay, my turn? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. He begins by taking buckets of water and throwing it on this thing that's supposed to be a burnt offering. That's not exactly what you, you might want to put some charcoal uh, lighter. But instead he throws buckets of water and then he calls out to Yahweh, the God of Israel, and this bolt of fire comes out of the sky and burns the whole thing up. Now, you know, sometimes in our spiritual journeys, we have these great dramatic moments when the presence of God and the power of God is so evidenced in our lives. You know, we call mountaintop experience because it's just so obvious to us the way that God is at work. And this is obviously the case for Elijah, that God is moving powerfully through him and with him at this point. But right after this, and he destroys these 450 priests and prophets, which makes Jezebel quite angry. And she sends a messenger. She says, hey, Jay, go down and, and tell the, uh, that prophet Elijah that I'm going to get him, that I'm going to kill him. I'm mad at him. He's, he's destroyed all of my priests and, and all of my prophets. Now, if we can go to the next one, that this is a time right after this magnificent demonstration of the power of God in his life 
And Elijah is scared to death, and he takes off running into the wilderness. He's afraid. You know, you, you get this times in our lives when the powers of the world seem to really get our goat, when the powers of the world are making us afraid or making us doubt or making us wonder, and it really tugs at our spirit. Well, this is happening now to Elijah, the powers that be have threatened him and he's off and he's headed for the hills and he ends up in the middle of the wilderness and finds this little shrub of a tree. He lays down there under that tree and he says, you know, God, just take my life. I'm done with all of this. It's too much. Which, of course, on the spiritual journey happens to all of us at some point in time. Maybe, maybe uh, Elijah is depressed. I mean, after all, he probably burned up a lot of cortisol with all these things he's had to do. Or maybe he's just burned out. Or maybe sometimes you just wonder, what in the world am I doing? And he's like, that's it. I'm just going to lay down here and, and I'm done. But the interesting thing is, God is still right there with him. Even when he is in this kind of uh, spiritual depression or whatever's going on with him, God sends an angel to bring food, to bring water, to nourish him, to sustain him, just as God usually does for us when we're in that kind of place. God sends angels to us. They usually look like people who are sitting in these pews, but God is still present and providing. And it gives this prophet Elijah enough strength to get up and to continue his journey to Mount Horeb. Now, remember that he is basically running away from his calling. He's afraid. He's afraid of the world. And where does he run? He runs to the one place he knows where he will find God. He runs to the mountain of God. He draws near to God, but he goes up there and he hides himself away in a cave. And he's just sitting in that cave waiting for God to show up so he can basically say, God, I don't want to be a prophet anymore. I've had enough of this. And God shows up, says, I'm about to pass by, and here comes this hurricane-force wind. And here comes this earthquake. And here comes this gigantic fire. And, and Elijah's like, nope, I'm not coming out. Now, those things are a bit too much for me, God. You're overwhelming me. And then comes this sheer silence. And Elijah kind of wraps the mantle in front of his face because he's afraid of seeing God eye to eye. And he comes to the opening to the cave to look out. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, remember, anytime the Bible does this kind of thing, what are you doing here? It's not like God doesn't know. Of course, God knows what Elijah's doing there. But Elijah hasn't really quite come to his senses yet about what's going on in his own life. And any time we get to that place where we are not aware of what's happening to us spiritually, God's going to find a way to get through to us. 
And in fact, if you look at Elijah, this is when he starts to say, God, I have been so zealous for you. I've done everything you wanted me to do. I've done this and done that. I've given everything and I'm the only one left and I'm tired of it. He's just complaining and whining to God at this point. And, you know, that's okay because he's beginning to realize what's going on with him. He isn't really the only one left. He's beginning to realize what's going on with him. And you know what? When we have complaints about how we're feeling, about whatever it is, our spiritual life, the church, we should take them to God. That's the best place to take this kind of complaint or pain that we're feeling. Just like Elijah, he takes this to God. So in this journey that Elijah has taken, he's gone from this mountaintop experience to being at death's door in the wilderness and then ends up face to face with God, being confronted with who God is and who he is. And then God says, all right, Elijah, it's time to go back and do the things I ask you to do once again. But this time, I'll make sure you have someone to go with you. Elisha's going to be out there. Now go on. Now, when we look at this journey and the spiritual journey of Elijah, Elijah, I think there are two things we need to pay attention to. And first of all, the spiritual life is about relationships. When we are in Christ, it is about being in relationship to God and to others. And when it becomes a me, my, I kind of language, you can bet that something's going on with us spiritually because it's always about my relationship to God and to others. That's the depths of the life in God. That's who we are. We are created as Christians for relationships. But the second thing is, the spiritual life is not about how I feel. You see, for some people, the spiritual life, the, the life of faith is about what I'm feeling at any given time. But feelings are fickle. You can feel happy one day, you can feel joy another, you can feel peace, you can feel uh, nothing at all. You can feel all kinds of things, but that's not a reliable judge of your relationship with God. That's just part of being human. Uh, the Saint Mother Teresa, who uh, for about 50 years was in ministry to the poorest of poor in India, the, the outcasts, the lepers, day in and day out, committed to God, committed to loving her neighbor and serving them. And after she died and her letters became public, we came to find out that for so many years of her ministry, she felt nothing. For so many years, she was like, God, I don't feel you. I don't know if I have any faith. Can you imagine this woman that we look at as a holy saint was not feeling that God was at work in her life, and yet the fruit of the Spirit was so present. Sometimes when God is so close to us, we can't even recognize that he's right there. You know, the story of Elijah tells us that we are all Elijah, Every 
one of us is on a journey of the Spirit. And sometimes we'll have these magnificent things that happen and just give us the power of God. And other times we'll be laying under a tree in the wilderness. I don't know where you are today in your spiritual journey, but I do know this. That God is accompanying each of us every step of that way. That God is with us always in all places. And sometimes we just have to pause long enough at the entrance of our cave to hear God speak a word to us. We are all Elijah. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.